to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We are doing an interview with Charlotte Sable, who is a new member of the Commander Advisory Group. So this advisory group was formed just recently to advise the Rules Committee, and we're very excited to be talking with Charlotte about her views on Commander and what she wants to do as a member of the advisory group. But before we start that interview, I just want to take a moment to tell you about our Patreon page. Commander Theory recently launched its Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see and get a shout-out in the show's credits. If you're willing to give a little bit more, you can hang out with us on Google Hangouts, get one-on-one deck advice, get your questions answered on the podcast, and more. So check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy free of charge, all because you took a few seconds to write a review. And I want to just read out a review that we got on Stitcher. Follower of Liliana said, Worth the time of EDH enthusiasts. The boys always find something interesting to say for the formats, and they make the spoiler season even more awesome. Thank you so much to Follower of Liliana for giving us a great review. Another way you can help support the show is by telling your friends about the podcast. If you like it and you want to share it, then let people know. With that said, let's move right into the interview. I'm Charlotte Sable, and I'm a member of the Commander Advisory Group. For anyone who's not familiar with what I do, I am a level 3 magic judge. I have been judging for nine years now. I've also been running the Ask a Judge blog at magicjudge.tumblr.com for over six years. I have done almost 20,000 posts on that blog at this point, and yeah, I've judged tournaments all over the world, and I do what I can to help people and help people learn the rules and have fun playing Magic, especially lots of uh, commander questions since I seem to be one of the only places that people can get satisfactory answers to multiplayer questions from. Thank you so much for joining us, Charlotte. Can you tell us what the Commander Advisory Group is? The Commander Advisory Group is a group of diverse voices from around the Magic community that's been brought together by the Rules Committee to more accurately reflect the reality of the current Commander player community beyond the scope of the RC's own experiences for the most part. Our role is still somewhat being formed, but like for the most part, it's just to have more voices and more people able to you know, collect data and anecdotes from the community and then filter that in because 10 people can do a lot more than four people can. Great. And how do you see your role as a member of the advisory group? How does your role as a level three judge or your personal experiences inform what you're going to be doing as a member of the advisory group? I feel that my role on the group is to be a representative, obviously, for the section of the magic and commander communities that my content of like my blog and other areas that I, you know, reach out to and the judge community in general reaches, as well as obviously my own personal views. My experience as a judge is just a huge part of who I am as a person and as a magic player. And so it would be pretty hard to like 
separate who I am as a judge from who I am in just in general. I feel like my experience as a judge is going to allow me to bring a unique perspective to the committee with an eye to rules, policy, and tournament operations, uh, specifically because, you know, the RC has made it very clear Commander is the un-tournament format. It's not, it's a format that doesn't want to be a tournament format. And, you know, so, I mean, I figure I have a good... perspective on how to keep it from sort of slipping in that direction and what's worked for other formats isn't going to work for commander and vice versa in the past wizards has solicited feedback from the rules committee on new commander products will the commander advisory group also be expected to provide feedback what will the relationship be like between the commander advisory group the rules committee and wizards uh, well, we don't have a lot of details on that yet. The CAG is uh, still finalizing its charter and hasn't had direct contact with Wizards yet. Um, my gut instinct tells me that the RC is going to share whatever they can with us. But of course, you know, when you're dealing with Wizards, there's a lot of NDAs involved. Yeah. So, you know, with specifics about like cards and new commander products, chances are we're probably not going to get to see them. And as for just the relationship between the CAG and the Rules Committee and Wizards, I would say that basically we communicate with the RC and the RC communicates with Wizards. And then if if the RC wants our opinion on something, basically it's it's a straight line. It's not like a triangle, right? So Okay, yeah, yeah. What do you think are some of the current problems facing the Commander format? In my opinion, the biggest problem with Commander right now is that too many people want it to be too many different things. Basically, different sections of the community are pulling the format in different directions. And there's definitely room for it to expand, but, you know, it can't be everything to everyone. Clearer vision is necessary for the format, and specific messages need to be delivered to specific sections of the community about what their place is and what they can expect from the RC and the uh, advisory group. I know there's a lot of voices in the past few years growing for competitive commander, competitive EDH, Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I personally feel like the number of ideas and things that they're wanting is getting to the point where they should really just organize themselves as a separate adjacent format the way that, say, French Dual Commander has. Because Commander is great, but obviously they want different things from the format than the average casual game at home or at a card shop is going to want. They don't seem very happy to abide by the RC these days. And so it feels to me like they really should just sort of, you know, separate off, organize their own CEDH rules committee and sort of have their format in parallel to normal EDH. Mm -hmm. Do you think the rules committee should, when possible make changes that won't affect the majority of Commander players, but will improve the format for CEDH players? I don't see why not. I think it depends on what sort of changes we're talking about, though, Mm -hmm. and what other impacts and what the cost is in effort. And there's always a cost. So if you have people working on one change, then there's other things those people aren't doing that could maybe improve things more overall. But I mean, certainly, if there's changes that would be good for CEDH. That would also be maybe not quite as good, but fine for the rest of the community. I don't see why we couldn't accommodate that to some degree as long if CEDH wasn't going to separate itself off as a separate format. So for example, Ad Nauseam is a card that doesn't really see a lot of play in casual commander games, but it's highly impactful and powerful in competitive games of commander. 
I certainly could see that. At the same time, it is an interesting tool, and taking that away from the rest of the Commander community is... It's the issue of specifically banning wanting cards banned or unbanned or whatever. That makes me really feel that the CEDH community needs at least its own ban list, if Mm -hmm. nothing else. Yeah. Even if they want to abide by all the other rules and just have a group that decides their own ban list, go for that. Like, the commander ban list is supposed to be a recommendation anyway. Like, it's Mm -hmm. this is what we think leads to the most general best format and, you know, flavor as needed for your local playgroup. So what are your priorities for making changes to the format, if you think the format needs to change? I don't have a lot of specific things in mind, but my general philosophy for Commander is that we should balance fun with degeneracy. Like, I personally enjoy Commander the most when my deck is doing its thing, and then your deck is doing its thing, and our things just sort of get to, like, smash against each other, and then we see which deck does it best, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't enjoy games where basically players are locking other players out or denying them the opportunity to have fun. And so I would like to see that made more of it. Like, not saying we shouldn't have certain elements. Like, you know, we we don't want to completely get rid of pillow fort decks or prison decks or discard or LD or whatever. But that needs to be tempered so that it's not just, oh, my deck makes it so that no one can play lands from turn three every game. And then beyond that, obviously, I definitely want to hear from the community what concerns they have so that I can be a voice for the community within the advisory group to the RC. In the recent Modern Banlist announcement, Ian Duke stated that when we examine the effect of powerful cards, we consider whether they are increasing or decreasing the number of viable decks in the format. Do you think that increasing the number of viable decks in Commander should be a priority for the Rules Committee when they discuss the ban list? Is there anything else you believe they should optimize for when designing the format? As for what should be optimized for, I mean, I, I pers- as I described in the last question, my general philosophy of let people do their thing as much as possible should be the general goal, because people are then going to have fun. As for balancing the format, I would generally disagree with your assertion that there's such a thing as a viable deck, because Commander operates on a different axis from other formats, People should be able to build the decks they want to build, and no one strategy should necessarily stifle their ability to have fun. But, I mean, Commander isn't standard or modern or legacy, where the only goal is to win as efficiently as possible. It's a multiplayer format, and it brings with it a whole new set of things to consider and to balance. And if you're playing Commander just to win, you're probably playing the wrong format, in my opinion. In that same modern ban list announcement, Ian Duke stressed that R&D considered data over an extended period of time before coming to a decision. In contrast, there's not a lot of data available for Commander, and the process of banning and unbanning cards seems to be a lot more driven by anecdote or by what the community is talking about, like what cards they're concerned about. Are you interested in finding new sources of data to help inform ban list decisions? Is making Commander more data-driven a priority for you? Obviously, we, do, we can't look at tournament results or anything like that, like we could with, say, Modern or Standard or whatever, where we can look at, like, 5-0 lists from Magic Online or whatever. And also, I, I don't know much about the Magic Online Commander community, but I don't know if necessarily their data is going to be representative for the wider community because there's different issues with card availability and that sort of thing there. And so, in general, like, taking the same approach data-wise to Commander as you would for, like, Standard or Modern isn't 
necessarily appropriate. I think we definitely should look at what data is available. But I think in general, the, the most data we're going to get is like anecdotal. Talk to basically communities out there and listen when they tell us things that in general, like that would be the best way, in my opinion. I think we have to operate more on feel than on hard numbers. Yeah, kind of as a stretch to that question, uh, how do you feel about databases like EDHREC? Uh, do you think there's viable data in there that we could be using to make decisions? Again, I'm not super familiar with EDHREC. I, I think it's a useful resource for the community, certainly. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it's not like everyone stirring their decks there. It's an incomplete data set. It's certainly a slice of data, but it's incomplete self-selected data. And so I don't know how necessarily useful it would be. We could certainly use it for things like, okay, how often are people playing this card with this card? That That's something we could use it for. But I don't think that sort of data set is necessarily good for drawing overall conclusions, just more for getting specific bits of information. I've got another follow-up question. So I agree that Magic Online Commander data isn't representative of real-world Commander metagame, in part because of the card availability issues you mentioned. But could it be valuable as a means of seeing what the format might be like if some of the card availability issues were solved? Like if Wizards got a hold of the reprint problem and the cost of deck building didn't shape the metagame as much as it currently does, could that data become more useful and valid? I certainly could see that happening, sure. I'm not super connected in with where prices of things are at, because I've been mm-hmm. playing Magic for so long. I just have my cards, yeah. and <laughs> most of the expensive things I need, I just have. And so, again, I don't know what's out there that is necessarily considered a card that more people would want in Commander. That's not just dual lands or, like, mana rocks or whatever, mm-hmm. like... Maybe you can fill me in a bit, but it it feels to me like it, the only thing that Moto tells us is just what Commander looks like with better mana index. Following the release of Unstable, the Rules Committee began an experiment in which all silver-bordered cards became legal in Commander for one month. Can we expect more experiments in the future? Perhaps short-term parole periods for banned cards? I'd like to see those sorts of experiments, but I can, again, I can only speak for myself. I haven't heard anything from the RC or other advisory group members about it. Yeah, it's certainly something I could see. As for what sort of experiments I'd like to see, my, my first thought is that it would be possible to, like, trial run some rule changes through that. Or, like you said, short-term parole periods for banned cards, just to see how those things sort of work. And I think if we are doing this sort of experiment, we need to have methods in place to get the feedback from the community on the experiment you know, as it's going, like be it some sort of Google form or something to collect feedback about it or other sorts of surveys or metrics. Like the silver border thing was just for fun. If we're doing something to actually test something, I think we need to have the structure in place to measure the test before we throw something out there. You're a longtime commander player. Who's been your favorite commander over the years, and why do you like him? Well, I started playing commander before it was commander, back when it was still EDH. Um, And my very first uh, commander deck that I built was Earl the Miststalker, so I'll always have a soft spot for that in my heart. Though currently my favorite deck is my Alesha deck. Sheldon wrote about uh, in 2017 on SCG as to why. Well, I mean, I'm 
a trans woman and I was thrilled when Alessia was revealed to also be a trans woman. And then the card itself is just sort of a fantastic versatile commander that can be built in like 20, 30 different ways. I actually also have a Alessia commander deck and I'm a big fan of her as a commander. She's a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. What sort of direction did you go at it from? Low powered creatures, a lot of ETB triggers um, and a ton of sack outlets. And then of course, all the efficient removal in those colors. Sounds good. I I focus more on things that enter the battlefield bigger than they should be. But Uh, yeah, (laughs) again, Alesha can be built like 30 different ways. It's it's a really great, really interesting commander design that doesn't necessarily pigeonhole you into one path. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I used to have an Alesha deck that was all about creatures that entered the battlefield and generated tokens. So it was a token aggro list where you could reuse those ETB token generators. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen people with human Alesha decks. I've seen yeah. people with aristocrat-style decks like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a cool card, and like no one builds it the same way, which mm-hmm. is great. Do you have a least favorite card or strategy? Is there any card, commander, or play style that really bugs you or that you think people shouldn't be playing in commander? First of all, Band Cyclonic Rift. That card is awful, <laughs> and I hate it. Beyond that, like I said, I don't like heavy control or prison-style decks. I enjoy Commander most when basically everyone gets to you know try to do their thing, and, and then we get to see who can do the thing better. Additionally, I don't like that a lot of Commander players seem to think that every deck has to have a bunch of the same cards in it. Like, not every deck needs a Sol Ring, not every deck blue deck needs Ristic Study, mm-hmm. you know. Not every deck needs all their fetches, all their duels, etc. Like, yeah. you know, these cards all come with costs, and even though they're good cards... They don't necessarily belong in the deck if they don't help the theme or the strategy necessarily. Yeah, we tend to be pretty, like, anti-staple. We think that, like, good stuff is really bad for the format. Yeah, so, I like, mean, good stuff is boring. Like, a, yeah. deck, a deck should reflect its theme and its commander and not just be good stuff, mm-hmm. right? And in that sense, sort of, I, I agree with part of what uh, Ian Duke said in the last Modern announcement, where when they were looking at cards to ban out of KCI, they looked at stuff like Ancient Stirrings and whatever, but then they decided to ban KCI because they felt banning Ancient Stirrings would reduce the number of interesting decks in the format. I'm all for things that make the format more interesting and yeah. not. Sure, so you're playing blue, so you're going to have Sol Ring, you're going to have Capsize, you're going to have etc., etc. Have you learned anything about Magic's player base from your blog that you might not have learned otherwise? Uh, if so, what were those things? Uh, well, a couple of big points I've taken away is people play Magic for like every possible reason under the sun. <laughs> they want to get all every possible thing out of it that you can think of, and they want to try everything in every card. Like <laughs> Mark Rosewater has said on his blog numerous times, people play everything. Also, another point is never underestimate the ability of people to misread a card, even the most simple card, because they've found something cool they can do with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it needs to work a way that's wrong for it to do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, those are the big takeaways. And just in general, like, the thing is, another big takeaway I've gotten from running my blog is that everyone is playing Magic to have fun. Everyone is playing Magic because it's a game they enjoy. And, you know, people enjoy it in different ways. But the thing is, we're playing Magic together as a group, so let's... I mean, I just like to see people all having fun. You know, magic fun in Magic is not zero-sum. At least it shouldn't be. 
Last year was a great year for Commander, and it gave the format a ton of new Commanders and cards, not just in the annual precons, but in supplemental sets like Battlemond and even standard legal sets like Dominaria. Are you optimistic about the future of the format? And what's something that you're hoping for or looking forward to? Mm. Well, I'm definitely optimistic about the format. Like Mark Rosewater said on his blog a couple months ago that 2019 has like the biggest lineup of products that he's been insanely pumped for in a while. So hopefully that that means that, you know, it's going to be good things for Commander as a format because more cool cards just makes the format better in general. Just even look at the really, really cool cards we've gotten out of the last two Ravnica sets here, like... And they're just normal sets. They're not yeah. even commander-focused. But mm-hmm. we have a bunch of cool new legendaries. We have cool new effects that go into decks, but nothing like overpowering or format warping. Yeah, I don't have any specific wants or things I'm looking forward to other than just you know seeing what comes down the pipeline. But one thing I would like is I'd like to see less specific designs for commander because i feel that when they design specifically for commander it tends to hurt the format more than it helps it for every card we get like command tower we get a poorly designed card like edgar markov or derevi that has far too high of a power level and hasn't been you know tested to see if it's actually going to make fun gameplay again to me the fun of commander is using the cards printed for everyone to do the specialized thing and we have our own specialized cards it makes it sort of less fun in my opinion as a follow-up question Do you think that Wizards could learn from its mistakes and improve its ability to design for Commander? For example, the crop of Commanders in the 2018 precons opened up some archetypes without being broken in the same way that Eminence was, or that the Command Zone Commanders from Commander 2013 were. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, you know, Commander 18 was was a great set and obviously a good step forward in making more balanced cards for Commander. I'm still not a fan of the Planeswalkers with this can be your commander on it. Like, Commander has rules where, you know, it's supposed to be a legendary creature and... That's like the fundamental rule of Commander, and I feel like stretching that even a little bit goes against what the format's trying to do. And also, I'm not a fan of uh, Yuriko's uh, Commander Ninjutsu being a way to play her out of the command zone for a cheap price all the time. That gives me some Derevi vibes, which is not great. I mean, none of the Commander 18 cards are as egregious as like Derevi or Alora or Eminence, so I hope that there shows that they're learning and that they're learning how to like tiptoe into the design space of commander but not just throw stuff around recklessly in a recent episode of the command zone josh lee kwai brought up a few debates within the commander community and shared his position on them so for example how do you feel about abolishing commander damage again i i wouldn't be completely against it i think it's a fairly fundamental part There needs to be some safety valve against life gain because it's far too easy to just gain infinite life in magic. I would certainly be in favor of some sort of streamlining of it. Like, and I mean, I'd be fine with it being more of like a second sort of poison where if you take 21 commander damage from any number of commanders in a game you lose or maybe only make it if i hit you with my commander it does damage but if someone steals it and hits you then that's not commander damage or whatever like yeah some way to simplify it down so that it's not a big thing i think it's still needed but i would be in favor of you know tweaking it to make it simpler and less paperworky Mm. yeah streamline how do you feel about the idea of allowing all planeswalkers as commanders nope don't (laughs) like it 
I don't even like the ones that are printed to be commanders. Like, <laughs> it slows games down. The decks aren't that interesting. The cards themselves are fine. Like, I run uh, Duretti in a couple of my decks, mm-hmm. and he's a really cool Planeswalker, but I don't want to build a deck around him. And then there's also some Planeswalkers that, as commanders, would be kind of busted or just really annoying. Like, I don't want to <laughs> play against someone who has Teferi as their as their commander like yeah <laughs> you know and you know that every every blue white control player and commander would be salivating to build a tefri deck i don't like it and i don't want to see it happen how do you feel about banning off color fetch lands that is fetch lands where one of the basic land types it mentions can't be played in your commander's color identity i would be okay with that i don't think it's something that necessarily needs to happen I personally don't play off-color fetches in my own decks, but I understand why some people do. My main concern in this is that it restricts the usefulness of some of the more budget-friendly fetches that people like to use in decks, like the Panoramas and the Mirage fetches and that sort of thing. I wouldn't be against it, though, and the one advantage I could see of banning off-color fetches is that it would sort of streamline the whole color identity theory like you can't play off color hybrid you can't have extra mana symbols that aren't in your color identity and you can't play off color fetches you just literally have to only have these colors in your deck these colors these land types that's it yeah anything related to those colors are the only things allowed kind of thing yeah like like there's like i've seen decks that and like there's other things that i think would be cleaned up by this like i've seen Someone with like a mono white deck with a bunch of swamp walking creatures that plays Urborg, and it's like it's a silly thing, but it's like it just it obviously doesn't belong in that deck. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, de- I've definitely seen that too. The like Karma Urborg in a white deck or something like yeah. that. On a related note, how do you feel about allowing off color hybrid cards? Again, I would be okay with it i think it's pretty clear that it's something that the rules committee has decided that they don't want but at the same time i don't know if necessarily the rule has been at all actually revisited yeah since it first was created Mm -hmm. like when hybrid first created you couldn't even play certain cards as commanders because (laughs) they had mana symbols that weren't in their mana cost Mm-hmm. Right, you couldn't have built an Alesha deck because she didn't have black and white in her mana cost. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would certainly be in favor of re-examining the reasoning behind it, but I don't feel that it necessarily is restricting things too much, and I think it would make some things a little too strong. I'm not going to say yes or no on this one, but I think it could be worth a re-examination. So how do you feel about allowing Unstable Legends for commander play? Honestly, I think people should be able to have Unmander decks, but obviously it's something that you should clear with everyone you're playing with before you sit down and play. I mean, I don't think just allowing the just the Legends would be fun, because if I'm, you're playing the Legends, you want to play some of the cards that go with them, mm, right? Yeah. Like if I have a Baron Von Count deck, I kind of want to play all the crazy you know, stuff that comes with him, like the countdown is at one and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Or like Julius Jumble Morph, like he only works if you have the silver bordered host and augment cards. Right. Or, you know, I'm planning on building a Mario kill deck, right? Oh yeah. yeah. And obviously if I can't play my kill bots, what's the point? Mind you, those are very vanilla cards. I'm sure no one would have a problem with me playing, but I think that there should be a space for silver bordered cards 
it's an interesting space because there's a lot of cards that are just really out there. And like there's there's about three or four different levels of silver bordered cards. There's ones that are perfectly fine, ones that are slightly tweaked, ones that are, you know, and ones that are just completely wacko out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to make like a, a blanket thing. But I certainly think that more playgroups should be open to allowing silver border decks. But I think that needs to be a decision at the playgroup level. Before we wrap this up, I want to do a quick lightning round. So, for the following cards, tell us if you think it deserves to be banned or unbanned. And we understand that this is just your personal opinion and is not indicative of what the rest of the CAG may think or what the rules committee might think. Number one, World Fire. I could see it unbanned. I don't think it would be a problem unbanning it. It's a nine mana card. The game ends shortly after it's played. It's fine. Tooth and Nail. I'm not a fan, personally, but, like, it's fine. Again, it's nine mana, and people are going to play it, you know? Green has lots of creature tutors. If it's not tooth and nail, it's going to be something else. Sway of the Stars. I do not like this card specifically just because it slows the game down. It's not an offensive card on the surface, but it literally resets the game to basically just zero. Yes, everyone's life total becomes seven, but it's very unlikely that you can take advantage of that the same way you can with, like, World Fire. Paradox Engine. I find it a bit obnoxious, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it banned, but I don't think it necessarily needs a ban right now. I would be much happier if it cost, like, two or three more mana. But yeah, I, in general, I don't want to ban too many new cards. I think it needs to be watched, but it's okay for the moment. But it's not a card I would personally put in a deck. Painter's Servant. Unban it shouldn't be there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> when Sheldon first approached me about this CAG, he asked me what one card would I unban, and it's Painter Servant, because Painter Servant is like the only enabler that's banned mm-hmm. in Commander. Yeah. Everything else that's banned is, you know, the payoff, and Painter Servant is the enabler. Why should it have to suffer for the sins of broken cards like Iona? Yes. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You are... Preaching to the choir. Yeah, we, we yeah. feel exactly the same way. <laughs> that that, that yeah. is probably our number one priority, if we could wish a card off the bin. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, Painter Servant is just one of my favorite cards ever. I have played countless uh, Painter Grindstone decks in Legacy, mm-hmm. and, you know, I have a full playset of, of the Masterpiece Painter oh, cool, Servant. Yeah. Oh, nice. They're freaking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, I love them. Yeah. And the card is just an amazing, fun card. Back when I first got into Magic, one of the first decks I built on my own was like a really janky standard combo deck. This would have been like Time Spiral Lorwyn Shadowmore <laughs> Standard, right? Yeah. And I had this janky deck that I called Paint It White, and it relied <laughs> on comboing Painter Servant with cards like Martyr of Sands to gain ridiculous amounts of life, oh, and no. then Blood Knight because protection from white mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the win condition was painter servant and chaotic backlash i don't know if you guys are familiar with that <laughs> I, card but... i remember chaotic backlash <laughs> yeah and so it's like oh you have eight permanents take 16 oh that's awesome and it was a ridiculous janky deck but it was hella fun and like i've just loved the card ever since and it's a, just a really cool clean design mm-hmm. that opens a lot of doors to very interesting things and i don't think that enablers in general should be banned when it's the things you do with them that are necessarily obnoxious 
Yeah, we totally agree. Um, Painter's Servant seems like a card that could add a lot to a bunch of different decks. Mm -hmm. You can play it in your Jaya Ballard deck. You can play it in your Tesa or Zav Sion deck. It seems really useful. Exactly. It's also a 1-3. It dies pretty easily to most everything. So mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's an artifact. Jumping back into the lightning round, Craterhoof Behemoth. It's fine. It costs 8. It ends the game. I am fine with things that are going to end the game. One of my biggest pet peeves in Commander, beyond not being able to play, is people who have decks that basically just spin their wheels and don't end the game. Mm -hmm. If you're going off, you should be winning. Win conditions are fine. Win conditions mean that we can play another game. On a related note, Biorhythm. Unban it. It's perfectly fine. It's actually like very weak for what it does. Yeah. Like, it costs eight. <laughs> Yeah. And it requires setup. Honestly, if you could play an 8-drop in green, would you rather play Craterhoof Behemoth or Biorhythm? Like, seriously, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, we agree. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. <laughs> like, yes, it can end the game, but so can Craterhoof Behemoth. So can Tooth and Nail. Like, yeah. it's fine. It, it was banned in the previous time when yeah. it maybe was broken for what it did. Cyclonic Rift. What are your thoughts on that? Ban it, ban it, ban it into the ground. <laughs> it's literally, to me, it's the most obnoxious card that's currently legal in the format. Other cards like that are more even, but Cyclonic Rift is completely one-sided and it doesn't necessarily end the game when it resolves, right? Plus, it's an instant. It's very easy to recur. It doesn't exile itself. And the kind of deck that plays it isn't likely to necessarily, 100% of the time, be able to capitalize on it resolving to end the game quickly after that. And then everyone is just, you know, slowed down again. Profit of Crufix. Leave it banned. It's obnoxious. I don't know. I, th I, I mean... For all the reasons that it was banned, none of that has changed. It's just too good at what it does. Iona, Shield of Emeria. Uh, ban it. If we're unbanning Painter Servant, I think we have to ban Iona. Even without Painter Servant, just the fact that this one card can completely lock a bunch of monocolored X from playing the game is yeah. just bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we 100% agree with that. Like, now you can't play doesn't seem like a very fun card. Expropriate. I think it's perfectly fine. It's another expensive spell that probably ends the game shortly after it resolves. Sundering Titan. I'm not like, yes, unban it, but I think it could be re-examined at this point. Mm -hmm. I understand why it's banned, and I don't necessarily want to see it back in the format, but I think if we're looking for things to unban, it could be unbanned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if it's like ban it or like leave it banned or unban it, like right now, I would just leave it banned. Deadeye Navigator. Uh, this used to be my most hated card in Commander. <laughs> yeah. Just in general. I just despised the card and it was awful and like I felt like I could never win against it. And yes, you can do a lot of obnoxious things, but at least it requires mana to use the ability. It requires six mana outlay at the beginning. It's a creature. Yeah. It's not winning the game by itself when it resolves. I think it's fine if obnoxious and something I'm reluctant to put in my own decks. Avacyn, Angel of Hope. Ban it. Mm. For the same reason as Iona, Avacyn just shuts out too many decks that don't have ways to deal with her. Like, how does a red deck win against Avacyn? You hope to top deck your Chaos Warp. Basically, like, 
it also just doesn't lead to fun magic, right? It's like, okay, you can't touch my stuff. That means I don't have to try and win the game. I can just sit back behind my Avison and build, and I can kill people when I want to, but I don't have to. It just slows the game to a crawl and is just impossible for certain colors to deal with, so I don't think it should necessarily be allowed. And I know she's not something that comes up too often in the in the general discussion, but I honestly think she is a problem for the format. Survival of the fittest. Uh, so I think it's fine. It's efficient, but so is lots of other stuff in Commander. There's lots of ways to tutor in Commander. I, I'm not a fan of a bunch of tutors, but I don't think it necessarily deserves a ban. I think this is one that's brought up as a price issue. Is that it? People have brought it up for price, but I think we're bringing it up as a repeatable tutor engine. And, and also the amount of shuffling involved. Yeah, it just slows down the game a lot. Again, I would not be opposed to examining it in that context and could see it possibly falling short. But, like, I don't think it, off the top of my head I wouldn't ban it. Last one, Recurring Nightmare. I think it could be unbanned. There's way more obnoxious ways. You know, yes, it's recursive, but... Yeah. Cost sacrificing a creature, and like, there's so much a good reanimation. I don't think Recurring Nightmare would necessarily like break the format. Mm-hmm. It would just be another tool in reanimation decks. Yeah. And there's so many good ways to fight the graveyard and ghost the hand so it can be hit by discard. It's definitely a strong card, but we don't ban cards just because they're strong. Thank you for agreeing to talk with us, and it's been super fun having you on. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your views of the format, and we're really excited to see what changes the CAG brings to Commander and what's in store for the future. Yeah, and uh, one last thing. Could you let people know where they could reach you if they're uh, inclined to do so? Sure. So the best way to get in touch with me is probably through my blog, which is magicjudge.tumblr.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at JQLgirl. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Yeah, I have to say, I've followed your blog for years, and it's a treasure trove of rules knowledge and cool interactions. So thank you for keeping it up for all this time. I have also followed you for many years, and I really appreciate the service you provide for the community in helping players, like both new players and old players, learn about the rules. It's why I started the blog, you know. Back in the day, I I saw people sending rules questions tomorrow, and he's not necessarily always up to (laughs) snuff on the rules. So (laughs) it's like, well, I'll start a blog and see if I can get people. And here we are six and a bit years and 20,000 posts later. So (laughs) (laughs) it's funny how it sneaks up on you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you again for speaking with us. And we're really looking forward to seeing what changes you make as a member of the commander advisory group. Yeah. uh, Very happy that you're named to be on it. So thank you. Thank you. I was happy to be named on it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again to Charlotte for interviewing with us and sharing her thoughts on Commander. I'd also like to thank our Patreon patrons, Bradley Pullen, Gustav Nyland, Ryan White King, Mark Tranquilli, and Eamon Schofield. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.